Section four of a treatise concerning the principles of human knowledge by George Barclay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of the principles of human knowledge continued. Fifty three. As to the opinion that there are no corporeal causes, this has been heretofore maintained by some of the schoolmen, as it is of late by others among the modern philosophers, who, though they allow matter to exist, yet will have God alone to be the immediate efficient cause of all things these men saw that amongst all the objects of sense there was none which had any power or activity included in it and that by consequence this was likewise true of whatever bodies they supposed to exist without the mind like unto the immediate objects of sense but then that they should suppose an innumerable multitude of created beings which they acknowledge are not capable of producing any one effect in nature and which therefore are made to no manner of purpose since god might have done everything as well without them this i say though we should allow it possible must yet be a very unaccountable and extravagant supposition fifty four eighth objection twofold answer in the eighth place the universal concurrent assent of mankind may be thought by some an invincible argument in behalf of matter or the existence of external things must we suppose the whole world to be mistaken and if so what cause can be assigned of so widespread and predominant an error i answer first that upon a narrow inquiry it will not perhaps be found so many as is imagined to really believe the existence of matter or things without the mind strictly speaking to believe that which involves a contradiction or has no meaning in it is impossible and whether the foregoing expressions are not of that sort i refer it to the impartial examination of the reader in one sense indeed men may be said to believe that matter exists that is they act as if the immediate cause of their sensations which affects them every moment and is so nearly present to them were some senseless unthinking being but that they should clearly apprehend any meaning marked by those words and form thereof a settled speculative opinion is what i am not able to conceive this is not the only instance wherein men impose upon themselves by imagining they believe those propositions which they have often heard though at bottom they have no meaning in them fifty five but secondly though we should grant a notion to be never so universally and steadfastly adhered to yet this is weak argument of its truth to whoever considers what a vast number of prejudices and false opinions are everywhere embraced with the utmost tenaciousness by the unreflecting which are the far greater part of mankind there was a time when the antipodes and motion of the earth were looked upon as monstrous absurdities even by men of learning and if it be considered what a small proportion they bear to the rest of mankind we shall find that at this day those notions have gained but a very inconsiderable footing in the world fifty six ninth objection answer but it is demanded that we assign a cause of this prejudice and account for its obtaining in the world to this i answer that men knowing they perceived several ideas whereof they themselves were not the authors as not being excited from within nor depending on the operation of their wills this made them maintain those ideas or objects of perception had an existence independent of and without the mind without ever dreaming that a contradiction was involved in those words but philosophers having plainly seen that the immediate objects of perception do not exist without the mind they in some degree corrected the mistake of the vulgar but at the same time run into another which seems no less absurd to wit that there are certain objects really existing without the mind or having a subsistence distinct from being perceived 
of which our ideas are only images or resemblances imprinted by those objects on the mind and this notion of the philosophers owes its origin to the same cause with the former namely their being conscious that they were not the authors of their own sensations which they evidently knew were imprinted from without and which therefore must have some cause distinct from the minds on which they are imprinted fifty seven but why they should suppose the ideas of sense to be excited in us by things in their likeness and not rather have recourse to spirit which alone can act may be accounted for first because they were not aware of the repugnancy there is one as well in supposing things like unto our ideas existing without as in two attributing to them power or activity secondly because the supreme spirit which excites those ideas in our minds is not marked out and limited to our view by any particular finite collection of sensible ideas as human agents are by their size complexion limbs and motions and thirdly because his operations are regular and uniform whenever the course of nature is interrupted by a miracle men are ready to own the presence of a superior agent but when we see things go on in the ordinary course they do not excite in us any reflection their order and concatenation though it be an argument of the greatest wisdom power and goodness in their creator is yet so constant and familiar to us that we do not think them the immediate effects of a free spirit especially since inconsistency and mutability in acting though it be an imperfection is looked on as a mark of freedom fifty eight tenth objection answer tenthly it will be objected that the notions we advance are inconsistent with several sound truths in philosophy and mathematics for example the motion of the earth is now universally admitted by astronomers as a truth grounded on the clearest and most convincing reasons but on the foregoing principles there can be no such thing for motion being only an idea it follows that if it be not perceived it exists not but the motion of the earth is not perceived by sense i answer that tenet if rightly understood will be found to agree with the principles we have premised for the question whether the earth moves or no amounts in reality to no more than this to wit whether we have reason to conclude from what has been observed by astronomers that if we were placed in such and such circumstances and such or such a position and distance both from the earth and sun we should perceive the former to move among the choir of the planets and appearing in all respects like one of them and this by the established rules of nature which we have no reason to mistrust is reasonably collected from the phenomena fifty nine we may from the experience we have had of the train and succession of ideas in our minds often make i will not say uncertain conjectures but sure and well-grounded predictions concerning the ideas we shall be affected with pursuant to a great train of actions and be enabled to pass a right judgment of what would have appeared to us in case we were placed in circumstances very different from those we are in at present herein consists the knowledge of nature which may preserve its use and certainty very consistently with what has been said it will be easy to apply this to whatever objections of the like sort may be drawn from the magnitude of the stars or any other discoveries in astronomy or nature sixty eleventh objection in the eleventh place it will be demanded to what purpose serves that curious organization of plants and the animal mechanism in the parts of animals might not vegetables grow and shoot forth leaves of blossoms and animals perform all their motions as well without as with all that variety of internal parts so elegantly contrived and put together 
which being ideas have nothing powerful or operative in them nor have any necessary connection with the effects ascribed to them if it be a spirit that immediately produces every effect by a fiat or act of his will we must think all that is fine and artificial in the works whether of man or nature to be made in vain by this doctrine though an artist has made the spring and wheels and every movement of a watch and adjusted them in such a manner as he knew would produce the motions he designed yet he must think all this done to no purpose and that it is an intelligence which directs the index and points to the hour of the day if so why may not the intelligence do it without his being at the pains of making the movements and putting them together why does not an empty case serve as well as another and how comes it to pass that whenever there is any fault in the going of a watch there is some corresponding disorder to be found in the movements which being mended by a skilful hand all is right again the like may be said of all the clockwork of nature great part whereof is so wonderfully fine and subtle as scarce to be discerned by the best microscope in short it will be asked how upon our principles any tolerable account can be given or any final cause assigned of an innumerable multitude of bodies and machines framed with the most exquisite art which in the common philosophy have very apposite uses assigned them and serve to explain abundance of phenomena sixty one answer to all which i answer first that though there were some difficulties relating to the administration of providence and the uses by it assigned to the several parts of nature which i could not solve by the foregoing principles yet this objection could be of small weight against the truth and certainty of those things which may be proved a priori with the utmost evidence and rigour of demonstration secondly but neither are the received principles free from the like difficulties for it may still be demanded to what end god should take those roundabout methods of effecting things by instruments and machines which no one can deny might have been effected by the mere command of his will without all that apparatus nay if we narrowly consider it we shall find the objection may be retorted with greater force on those who hold the existence of those machines without of mind for it has been made evident that solidity bulk figure motion and the like have no activity or efficacy in them so as to be capable of producing any one effect in nature see section twenty five whoever therefore supposes them to exist allowing the supposition possible when they are not perceived does it manifestly to no purpose since the only use that is assigned to them as they exist unperceived is that they produce those perceivable effects which in truth cannot be ascribed to anything but spirit sixty two fourthly but to come nigher the difficulty it must be observed that though the fabrication of all those parts and organs be not absolutely necessary to the producing any effect yet it is necessary to the producing of things in a constant regular way according to the laws of nature there are certain general laws that run through the whole chain of natural effects these are learned by the observation and study of nature and are by men applied as well to the framing artificial things for the use and ornament of life as to the explaining various phenomena which explication consists only in showing the conformity any particular phenomenon has to the general laws of nature or which is the same thing in discovering the uniformity there is in the production of natural effects as will be evident to whoever shall attend to the several instances wherein philosophers pretend to account for appearances that there is a great and conspicuous use in these regular constant methods of working observed by the supreme agent has been shown in section thirty one and it is no less visible that a particular size figure motion and disposition of parts are necessary 
though not absolutely to the producing of any effect yet to the producing it according to the standing mechanical laws of nature thus for instance it cannot be denied that god or the intelligence that sustains and rules the ordinary course of things might if he were minded to produce a miracle cause all the motions on the dial plate of a watch though nobody had ever made the movements and put them in it but yet if he will act agreeably to the rules of mechanism by him for wise ends established and maintained in the creation it is necessary that those actions of the watchmaker whereby he makes the movements and rightly adjusts them precede the production of the aforesaid motions as also that any disorder in them be attended with the perception of some corresponding disorder in the movements which being once corrected all is right again sixty three it may indeed on some occasions be necessary that the author of nature display his overruling power in producing some appearance out of the ordinary series of things such exceptions from the general rules of nature are proper to surprise and awe men into an acknowledgment of the divine being but then they are to be used but seldom otherwise there is a plain reason why they should fail of that effect besides god seems to choose the convincing our reason of his attributes by the works of nature which discover so much harmony and contrivance in their make and are such plain indications of wisdom and beneficence in their author rather than to astonish us into a belief of his being by anomalous and surprising events sixty four to set this matter in a yet clearer light i shall observe that what has been objected in section sixty amounts in reality to no more than this ideas are not anyhow and at random produced there being a certain order and connection between them like to that of cause and effect there are also several combinations of them made in a very regular and artificial manner which seem like so many instruments in the hand of nature that being hid as it were behind the scenes have a secret operation in producing those appearances which are seen on the theatre of the world being themselves discernible only to the curious eye of the philosopher but since one idea cannot be the cause of another to what purpose is that connection and since those instruments being barely inefficacious perceptions in the mind are not subservient to the production of natural effects it is demanded why they are made or in other words what reason can be assigned why god should make us upon a close inspection into his works behold so great variety of ideas so artfully laid together and so much according to rule it not being credible that he would be at the expense if one may so speak of all that art and regularity to no purpose 65 to all which my answer is first that the connection of ideas does not imply the relation of cause and effect but only of a mark or sign with the thing signified the fire which i see is not the cause of the pain i suffer upon my approaching it but the mark that forewarns me of it in like manner the noise that i hear is not the effect of this or that motion or collision of the ambient bodies but the sign thereof secondly the reason why ideas are formed into machines that is artificial and regular combinations is the same with that for combining letters into words that a few original ideas may be made to signify a great number of effects and actions it is necessary they be variously combined together and to the end their use be permanent and universal these combinations must be made by rule and with wise contrivance by this means abundance of information is conveyed unto us concerning what we are to expect from such and such actions and what methods are proper to be taken for the exciting such and such ideas 
which in effect is all that i conceive to be distinctly meant when it is said that by discerning a figure texture and mechanism of the inward parts of bodies whether natural or artificial we may attain to know the several uses and properties depending thereon or the nature of the thing sixty six proper employment of the natural philosopher hence it is evident that those things which under the notion of a cause cooperating or concurring to the production of effects are altogether inexplicable and run us into great absurdities may be very naturally explained and have a proper and obvious use assigned to them when they are considered only as marks or signs for our information and it is the searching after and endeavouring to understand those signs instituted by the author of nature that ought to be the employment of the natural philosopher and not the pretending to explain things by corporeal causes which doctrine seems to have too much estranged the minds of men from that active principle that supreme and wise spirit in whom we live move and have our being sixty seven twelfth objection answer in the twelfth place it may perhaps be objected that though it be clear from what has been said that there can be no such thing as an inert senseless extended solid figured movable substance existing without the mind such as philosophers describe matter yet if any man shall leave out of his idea of matter the positive ideas of extension figure solidity and motion and say that he means only by that word an inert senseless substance that exists without the mind or unperceived which is the occasion of our ideas or at the presence whereof god is pleased to excite ideas in us it doth not appear but that matter taken in this sense may possibly exist in answer to which i say first that it seems no less absurd to suppose a substance without accidents than it is to suppose accidents without a substance but secondly though we should grant this unknown substance may possibly exist yet where can it be supposed to be that it exists not in the mind is agreed and that it exists not in place is no less certain since all place or extension exists only in the mind as has been already proved it remains therefore that it exists nowhere at all sixty eight matter supports nothing an argument against its existence let us examine a little the description that is here given us of matter it neither acts nor perceives nor is perceived for this is all that is meant by saying it is an inert senseless unknown substance which is a definition entirely made up of negatives excepting only the relative notion of its standing under or supporting but then it must be observed that it supports nothing at all and how nearly this comes to the description of a nonentity i desire may be considered but say you it is the unknown occasion at the presence of which ideas are excited in us by the will of god now i would fain know how anything can be present to us which is neither perceivable by sense nor reflection nor capable of producing any idea in our minds nor is at all extended nor has any form nor exists in any place the words to be present when thus applied must needs be taken in some abstract and strange meaning and which i am not able to comprehend sixty nine again let us examine what is meant by occasion so far as i can gather from the common use of language that word signifies either the agent which produces any effect or else something that is observed to accompany or go before it in the ordinary course of things but when it is applied to matter as above described it can be taken in neither of those senses for matter is said to be passive and inert and so cannot be an agent or efficient cause it is also unperceivable as being devoid of all sensible qualities and so cannot be the occasion of our perceptions in the latter sense 
as when the burning my finger is said to be the occasion of the pain that attends it what therefore can be meant by calling matter an occasion the term is either used in no sense at all or else in some very distant from its received signification seventy you will perhaps say that matter though it be not perceived by us is nevertheless perceived by god to whom it is the occasion of exciting ideas in our minds for say you since we observe our sensations to be imprinted in an orderly and constant manner it is but reasonable to suppose there are certain constant and regular occasions of their being produced that is to say that there are certain permanent and distinct parcels of matter corresponding to our ideas which though they do not excite them in our minds or anywise immediately affect us as being altogether passive and unperceivable to us they are nevertheless to god by whom they are perceived as it were so many occasions to remind him when and what ideas to imprint on our minds that so things may go on in a constant uniform manner seventy one in answer to this i observe that as the notion of matter is here stated the question is no longer concerning the existence of a thing distinct from spirit and idea from perceiving and being perceived but whether there are not certain ideas of i know not what sort in the mind of god which are so many marks or notes that direct him how to produce sensations in our minds in a constant and regular method much after the same manner as a musician is directed by the notes of music to produce that harmonious train and composition of sound which is called a tune though they who hear the music do not perceive the notes and may be entirely ignorant of them but this notion of matter seems too extravagant to deserve a confutation besides it is in effect no objection against what we have advanced namely that there is no senseless unperceived substance seventy two the order of our perceptions shows the goodness of god but affords no proof of the existence of matter if we follow the light of reason we shall from the constant uniform method of our sensations collect the goodness and wisdom of the spirit who excites them in our minds but this is all that i can see reasonably concluded from thence to me i say it is evident that the being of a spirit infinitely wise good and powerful is abundantly sufficient to explain all the appearances of nature but as for inert senseless matter nothing that i perceive has any the least connection with it or leads to the thoughts of it and i would fain see any one explain any the meanest phenomenon in nature by it or show any manner of reason though in the lowest rank of probability that he can have for its existence or even make any tolerable sense or meaning of that supposition for as to its being an occasion we have i think evidently shown that with regard to us it is no occasion it remains therefore that it must be if at all the occasion to god of exciting ideas in us and what this amounts to we have just now seen seventy three it is worth while to reflect a little on the motives which induced men to suppose the existence of material substance that so having observed the gradual ceasing and expiration of those motives or reasons we may proportionably withdraw the assent that was grounded on them first therefore it was thought that colour figure motion and the rest of the sensible qualities or accidents did really exist without the mind and for this reason it seemed needful to suppose some unthinking substratum or substance wherein they did exist since they could not be conceived to exist by themselves afterwards in process of time men being convinced that colours sounds and the rest of the sensible secondary qualities had no existence without the mind they stripped this substratum or material substance of those qualities leaving only the primary ones figure motion and such like which they still conceived to exist without the mind 
and consequently to stand in need of a material support but it having been shown that none even of these can possibly exist otherwise than in a spirit or mind which perceives them it follows that we have no longer any reason to suppose the being of matter nay that it is utterly impossible there should be any such thing so long as that word is taken to denote an unthinking substratum of qualities or accidents wherein they exist without the mind seventy four but though it be allowed by the materialists themselves that matter was thought of only for the sake of supporting accidents and the reason entirely ceasing one might expect the mind should naturally and without any reluctance at all quit the belief of what was solely grounded thereon yet the prejudice is riveted so deeply in our thoughts that we can scarce tell how to part with it and are therefore inclined since the thing itself is indefensible at least to retain the name which we apply to i know not what abstracted and indefinite notions of being or occasion though without any show of reason at least so far as i can see for what is there on our part or what do we perceive amongst all the ideas sensations notions which are imprinted on our minds either by sense or reflection from whence may be inferred the existence of an inert thoughtless unperceived occasion and on the other hand on the part of an all-sufficient spirit what can there be that should make us believe or even suspect he is directed by an inert occasion to excite ideas in our minds seventy five absurdity of contending for the existence of matter as the occasion of ideas it is a very extraordinary instance of the force of prejudice and much to be lamented that the mind of man retains so great a fondness against all the evidence of reason for a stupid thoughtless somewhat by the interposition whereof it would as it were screen itself from the providence of god and remove it farther off from the affairs of the world but though we do the utmost we can to secure the belief of matter though when reason forsakes us we endeavour to support our opinion on the bare possibility of the thing and though we indulge ourselves in the full scope of an imagination not regulated by reason to make out that poor possibility yet the upshot of all is that there are certain unknown ideas in the mind of god for this if anything is all that i conceive to be meant by occasion with regard to god and this at the bottom is no longer contending for the thing but for the name seventy six whether therefore there are such ideas in the mind of god and whether they may be called by the name matter i shall not dispute but if you stick to the notion of an unthinking substance or support of extension motion and other sensible qualities then to me it is most evidently impossible there should be any such thing since it is a plain repugnancy that those qualities should exist in or be supported by an unperceiving substance seventy seven that a substratum not perceived may exist unimportant but say you though it be granted that there is no thoughtless support of extension and the other qualities or accidents which we perceive yet there may perhaps be some inert unperceiving substance or substratum of some other qualities as incomprehensible to us as colours are to a man born blind because we have not a sense adapted to them but if we had a new sense we should possibly no more doubt of their existence than a blind man made to see does of the existence of light and colours i answer first if what you mean by the word matter be only the unknown support of unknown qualities it is no matter whether there is such a thing or no since it no way concerns us and i do not see the advantage there is in disputing about what we know not what and we know not why seventy eight but secondly if we had a new sense it could only furnish us with new ideas or sensations 
and then we should have the same reason against their existing in an unperceiving substance that has been already offered with relation to figure motion color and the like qualities as has been shown are nothing else but sensations or ideas which exist only in a mind perceiving them and this is true not only of the ideas we are acquainted with at present but likewise of all possible ideas whatsoever end of section four